shut up. Two, three, four. Oh, I finish it. Wax work every day. And all I do want it to get away. When I walk into time, it kills me so. I got a sign red tattoo on me bum. Hello and welcome to Cast and Wax. My name is Jordan D. White, as it has been for the past two other podcasts, and technically for a while before that as well. With me, as always, are my three co-hosts. Let me introduce them and see if they have anything interesting to tell you about. Mr. Scape White, my wonderful gray cat. Hello, everybody. How are you today? Are you asking me or are you asking the listeners? Listeners! I know I said I wasn't going to ask you anymore. Listeners. I want to give them a chance to tell me how they're doing. Well, they're not going to... I mean, you, you, uh, they're listening. They're listeners. They can't talk to you. There's no... You know, you can't hear them. Well, maybe I could. You can't. Well, maybe I could. I have really sensitive ears. I have cat ears. They're big and they can hear from, like, far away. And, and very soft sounds. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I'm saying they're like... First of all, they're not hearing you right now. They're hearing you later. Second of all, you know, they could be in... Mexico or France or something. You, I mean, you have no idea. Where's Mexico? Okay, it's like a it's like a place far away. Well, how far could it be? I don't know how far how far could it be? How what's the farthest thing you could imagine? What's the farthest? Like I have to run to get there. Well, this one you'd have to run, and you still wouldn't get there for a really long time. Whatever. I could probably hear it. It's not... Okay, imagine something that's so far away you couldn't hear it. No such thing! Do you mean there's no such thing? There is such a thing. It's called, for example, Mexico. I don't believe it! Prove it! Okay. I... While I encourage your skeptical mind, this is something to... Let me... Let me see if anybody else has anything they can help me out with this argument. Uh, Mr. Roy Sinjin, you have anything you can contribute to this? Well, uh, I can try. All right, Scape, let me explain. There is, in fact, a place called Mexico. It's a place where they make food incredibly spicy. What does spicy food mean? Food is like meat with sauce. Yeah, meat, meat with sauce, but he means like spicy sauce. What is spicy sauce? What is spicy? Well, it's, it's, a, it's a type of sauce that it makes your mouth hurt from, the, from the, the flavors. Why would you eat that? That's stupid. It kind of is, actually. You're kind of right about that. Frank, uh, Frank Allen, my, my final co-host, would you have anything you could say to that? Oh, you finally want to come to me, do you? All right, well, I think I can explain this in a way he'll understand. All right, Scape, let me, let me put it this way. You know illegal immigrants? Illegal? No. All right, uh, do you know Border Patrol? No. Do you know, um, you know, what do you, you don't seem to know a lot of stuff. I know lots of stuff! Jeez! I know, I know about, okay, I know about songs. Songs are like music. I know about, uh, mice, kind of. I know that they run away, but I could catch them. I know about birds, because they sit outside, and I would eat them but I, if I get outside. I know about Sasquatch. Yeah, but, okay, I think the point is that you don't know about Mexico. Whatever, fine, it's Mexico. The point is, there are people that are farther away than you can hear. Moving on. You're pro- that, was a, that was a long way to go for an introduction, folks. And, and does our show even have anything to do with Mexico today? I don't know, does it? I don't think it does. Frank, does, does Tractor Fiction have anything to do with Mexico today? No, I don't believe there's any Mexican content in my part of the show. Nor in mine, as far as I can recall. Well, then I guess we lost points for not tying things in. Point is, let's get to the rest of the show. Coming up, very first thing, what we've got is the final premiere of one of our radio serials. Uh, you've heard, you know, so far you've heard a whole bunch of our series, a couple of them plotted series, a couple of them debate shows. This is the final of our of our shows that is premiering right now. 
hopefully down the line we'll come up with all new shows and we'll we'll try to find a way to produce them even in this 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 tiny small home studio where I'm still trying to work out the bugs and the sound quality and all that but this is the last one of the ones we've previously recorded it's called like mother now I'm going to go right ahead and not spoil something but let you know that since the series has already aired this is easily available information. The show started out as Like Mother and it became Like Daughter. So in a way, it's really called Like Mother, Like Daughter. Uh, But back at this point, you'll hear the narrator call it Like Mother, Episode 1. It's a fun series. It was the last series that we created. It ran only for two uh, seasons, quote-unquote, of 11 episodes each. And um, it got crazy. It got to be a lot of fun. I wanted to do something involving, like, kind of weird paranoia, and I think we definitely captured that. So let's see what we can do, kicking back and relaxing and enjoying... Like Mother. Episode 1, My Mother the Killer, by Jordan D. White. Pandora Darling was a 16-year-old upscale suburban girl, and Carousel, New York, was exactly the place for her. It suited her every need. She attended Carousel High, where she was active in the tennis and photography clubs. She shopped at the Hidden Orchard Mall in downtown Carousel, enjoying time spent in their book-slash-coffee store, as well as the popular clothing shops. As a young woman whose life tended to feature things like geometry homework, talking on her cell phone, surfing the internet and the occasional tennis match, she fit right in. Had she been, for example, an assassin working in secret towards a new world order, she might have felt a bit out of place. This wasn't the sort of thing she was worried about, however. In fact, on the afternoon in question, she was walking home from a tennis match, talking on her cell phone, with firm plans to surf the net in order to avoid doing geometry homework. She was far more concerned with getting a date to homecoming than with avoiding being shot in the head, and would likely have been quite surprised to learn which of the two was, in fact, more likely to occur. What's the deal with Bobby? What do you mean? Why does he keep hanging around us so much? Is he even interested in tennis? He never plays. (laughs) Are you kidding, Pandy? He's, like, totally in love with you. Oh, God, tell me you're joking. You wish. He couldn't be more into you if he was your pancreas. Oh, Tabby, please. I mean, don't get me wrong. He's a nice guy, I guess. But he's not exactly a lady killer. Please don't tell me you're even considering. Oh, come on. I'm not that desperate. Good thing. I was afraid I'd have to invoke best friend privileges and smack you around till you came to your senses. You'd be better off going stag. Good to know you're looking out for me. Hey, my mom's car is back. She must be home early. Tell her I said hi. Oh, speaking of desperate, did you hear about Steve and Andrea? I know! What is wrong with that girl? She's completely lost her... mind. Pandora entered her home to find her mother holding a bloody hunting knife over the dead body of a man she didn't recognize. Tabby, I'm gonna have to call you back. Okay, bye. 
You're home early, dear. Blood was smeared all over Hope Darling's torso, face, and hands. The source of this blood was no mystery. The dead man sported a slit throat from ear to ear, and his chest cavity stood open for the world to see. The familiar living room was spattered with arterial spray and little bits of ruby red innards. Oh my god, Mom! What the hell are you doing? Shh, no, Jesus no. Jesus Christ, Mom, did you kill that guy? Are you crazy? Why do you... Pandora, darling, shh. Quiet down and I'll take my hand off your mouth. If I wanted to draw attention, I would have killed him with a grenade. Now, I can explain everything, but you have to swear to quiet down, honey, okay? Promise? Mm-hmm. All right. There. Ugh, you got blood in my mouth, Mother! I know you probably have a lot of questions. Like, couldn't you have wiped off your hands first? But we don't have a lot of time, so I'm going to give you the fast version. Yes, I killed that man, and no, I'm not crazy. Was he trying to kill you? Sort of. I mean, not at the moment, but in a more general sense. They want me dead, yes. Who's they? Cask. The conspiracy. <sighs> I've tried so hard to keep you out of this, but there's nothing I can do now. I might as well come clean. Pandora, there is a great... Evil in the world today. People hell-bent on putting an end to our society, destroying everything that we stand for. What are you talking about? Terrorists? Not exactly. From a certain point of view, maybe, but no. Terrorists try to make change through fear. These people are far more insidious. No one even sees them coming, but I know they're there and I can stop them. And this convinces me you're not crazy how? Cask has made its way into every aspect of American life. The government, big business, food service, obviously the media. Handy baby, someone has to stop them. If not me, then who? Okay, it's going to be okay. We can call the police and we can explain all this to them and they'll get you the help you need. What help can the police give me? They can't do anything about Cask. They don't have the access to the type of resources necessary to take on an organization like this. Not to mention that they've probably been compromised. Honey, we can't trust the police. Mother, this is crazy. You are crazy! Shh, come on, Potato, you know me. I'm not crazy. I'm still your same old mom. You mean the world to me, Potato. Who took you in Tabby's skating last week? Who taught you how to hit backhand? Who taught you how to drive without running down even one enemy agent, even though they were everywhere? Mother! Look, honey, you're just going to have to trust me on this one because I don't have the time to give you a full briefing right now. I still have to find the chip. Oh, for God's sake, what chip? Can you hold this flashlight for me? Point it down more. Perfect. It's in here somewhere. Mom, those are his ribs. Hold the light steady. I'm going to be sick. Every member of Cask has an audio recording chip surgically implanted in their body upon joining. This man is an agent of Cask, and therefore there's a chip in here somewhere. Mom, that's insane. There's no chip inside that guy. You're just, you're sticking your arms elbow deep in a man's guts. Do you know how crazy that is? We're talking about Dahmer crazy, Mom. Dahmer! Honey, don't contradict your mother. There is a chip, and if I can't find it, then once the Cask Council retrieves it, they'll be able to hear everything that he did. It should be just about... Where is it? No, it should be right here. Where the hell is it? Mother! Where the hell is the goddamn chip? That's it, Mother. I'm calling the police. I can't take this. No. As Pandora threw the flashlight to the floor and turned away, Hope tackled her to the ground. Before Pandora could even register what was happening, she was face down on the blood-sodden carpet, her mother securing her hands behind her back with a plastic zip strip. I can't let you do that, honey. I can't have anything jeopardize my mission. I didn't want to get you caught up in this. I would have preferred getting all this cleaned up before you got home. But here you are, and there's nothing to do about it now. She pulled her daughter to her feet and sat her down on the sofa. You're tying me up, Mother? That's right, baby. Now, I don't want to have to gag you, but I need to deal with this, and I'll do what I have to do. Obviously. You're not going to scream, are you, Pandy? No. 
That's my girl. Now, this chip has got to be here somewhere. Let me get my hacksaw. The hacksaw in question was in a sack of tools nearby. Hope laid down a tarp, moved the body into it, then set about the dismemberment. Oh, God. You might want to close your eyes, dear. Really, I should have laid the tarp down first. But really, how do you explain that? Pardon me, can you come stand over on this tarp for a minute? No, no reason. I was just hoping to... Kya! No, not very likely. Who is he, Mother? Hmm, good question. Let me see. It says his name is Thomas Samson. (laughs) That's a fake name if ever I heard one. What's he doing here? He said he was a Jehovah's Witness. Can you believe that? He even had copies of the Watchtower. The only question is whether he's a plant within their organization, or if he killed Jehovah's real witness. There is one other possibility, Mom. What's that? He could really just be Thomas Samson, a Jehovah's Witness who came to talk to you. (laughs) Honey, I'm not going to murder an innocent man. I wouldn't have killed him unless I knew he was an agent of Cask. Have a little faith. How do you know, Mom? What? How do you know? What made you so sure he was an agent of Cask or whatever, and not Thomas Samson, innocent religious nut? I could see it. What? I can see it. The ones who are a part of it, they look different. What do you mean? They just have a different look about them. They're not lizards or aliens or anything. I just, I look at them and I can see it. I can see that they're a part of it. They're helping to tear down everything I hold dear. Do you hear yourself at all, Mother? Do you hear what you're saying? It sounds completely insane. You've lost touch with reality. God damn it! I'm sorry, but I... What? No, not you, dear. I just... I've taken this guy apart every possible way I can, and I'm not finding any goddamn chip. Every agent of Cask has a chip. I know this, and I know he's Cask, so where's the goddamn chip? Huh? Where the hell is the goddamn chip? Ah! <sighs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry, sweetie. It just makes me so, oh, you know? What were you saying? Nothing. Forget it, then. If I can't find any chip, I'll just dispose of the whole thing. Good idea. Hmm? It's a good idea, getting rid of the the body. Do you need any help? I can pull the car onto the back door so no one can see you loading him up. Oh, no thanks, hon. It's okay. You just stay here. I've got a big old box of lye down in the basement. I've got it covered. But thanks. Sure thing. Hope gathered up the corners of the tarp, making it into a makeshift sack. She hoisted it over her shoulder and headed down into the Darling family basement. Pandora waited until she heard her mother get all the way downstairs, then quietly dove for the hacksaw lying on the floor. She grabbed it in her bound hands, then got down on her knees. She positioned the saw between her feet, then proceeded to saw at the plastic strip that held her hands. After a minute, she was free, with only a few minor nicks at her wrists. She crept over to the front door, slipping her cell phone out of her pocket, and was about to touch the door handle when... Her eyes grew wide, and she quickly opened the door to find... Bobby Kurtzman, standing on their porch. Pandy! Hi, I just... Are you... bleeding? Bobby? We've got to get out of here, quick! She grabbed the boy by the hand and began dragging him back to the porch stairs. Where are we going? You're not going anywhere, Potsy. Get your hands off my daughter. Hope Darling had come around the side of the house, carrying what appeared to be an assault rifle of some sort. She began backing Pandy and Bobby back into the house. What are you doing, Mother? I should be asking you that question, Pandora. I thought I told you to stay put. I can go if I'm interrupting something. Mom, you killed a guy. Killed him. I'm supposed to just trust you that he was a guy worth killing? Yes. Why else would your mother kill someone? I really don't want to intrude. Shut up, kid. You're staying. Now get inside. 
You should tell your boyfriend to learn to make up his mind. He paced past the basement window so much I thought it was a strobe light. Oh, God, Mom, he's not my boyfriend. Is this all blood? It's all right, honey. I understand how these things work. I was young once. Anyway, I saw him coming and grabbed my little insurance here just in case. I didn't expect to find him spiriting away my impressionable young daughter. You have weapons hidden in our house? Nothing lethal. That's not lethal? <laughs> not to a well-trained agent, it's not. I mean, maybe to a layman, sure. Pandy, are we going... Are we going to die? Maybe. Not if I can help it, honey. Okay, then definitely. Oh, God, I didn't come here to die. Nobody's going to die. Nobody else, you mean, Mom? I'm just a kid. I didn't even get my license yet. I've never had a girlfriend. I've never, I've never even kissed a girl. I'm, I'm too young to die. I don't want to die. Kid. I'm sorry I saw the blood. I promise I won't tell anyone. I didn't mean to see it. I just came by for a sec. I just wanted to ask Pandy Stop. to... Stop. Right there, my day has been lousy enough already. Please don't kill me, crazy lady. I'll do anything. I promise. I won't. I won't tell anyone. I'll. I don't. I'll do. I don't even know what. Just please. Mother, you knocked him out. He was hysterical. I don't deal well with panic. Besides, he'll be easier to move this way. We're, we're not going to kill Bobby. Of course not. But he's coming with us. Grab his feet. As Pandora helps her mother lift her downed classmate, she can't help but wonder what she has planned for them. Have they become pawns in whatever delusional games her mother has running through her head? Has hope really killed before, and will she kill again? Will Pandora and Bobby be her next victims? Like Mother continues in next week's episode, Trapped in a Box. In that episode of Like Mother... The narrator was played by Charles Berman, Pandora Darling was played by Guinevere Eckert, Hope Darling was played by Lynn Nelson, Tabby was played by Ava Rosenblatt, and Bobby Kurtzman was played by Jordan D. White. The theme song was by Jordan D. White. Thank you very much. That was the first episode of Like Mother. What did you think of that episode, Scapey? What? Why me? What did I? Why do I have to be the one? Were you not listening? What? You know, what's the problem? I don't understand what the problem is. Just, what did you think? Did you enjoy it? Have a good time? Whatever. Yeah, sure. It was fine. Why well, you? I don't want to. I don't want to talk about this. Why are you putting me on the spot? Oh gosh. You know, <laughs> I'm only letting you co-host my show with me. You know, you think I think it would be okay for you to, you know, listen to the shows, tell us what it was like. I thought it was fine. It had girls in it. Girls are fine. Whatever. It had a boy. He had an annoying voice. Escape. That's my voice again. It's my voice. You keep saying I have a... Look, watch. This is me talking as Jordan. Hello, my name's Jordan D. White. How are you doing today? And then I go, oh, Pandy, help me. Oh, what's going on here? Help, help. Oh, God, crazy lady. You see, that's me. Well, you shouldn't be so annoying. Escape. You know, I'm sure you're annoying sometimes. No. Well... I wouldn't be so sure of that. Yeah, well, you, you spoke you spoke a little too quickly there, I think. And you are the fact is, you are kind of annoying sometimes. Never. Well, what about when you when you sing nonstop over and over again? That's not annoying, Dad. That's not annoying, is it? Uh, well, you know, actually, I should I should say we we should really move on because we've got another part of the show coming up right now. This is another me part of the show, in fact. So it seems kind of relevant. Let's let's get to it. You know, that's a very good point, Frank. We really probably should. Uh, so sorry, Escape. We gotta. Move on. This is a show called Tract or Fiction. This is the second episode of it. I want to point out that, again, this is another series that was being recorded live at the time. About half the episodes of this show were recorded live, and about half of them were recorded afterwards when we started pre-recording things. This is the episode where I was judged not worthy, Frank. 
correct? Absolutely correct, uh, in a way. Uh, what had happened was, I, I, I've, I've talked about this before uh, on other things. I was a fan of the series idea, so I listened to the first episode on the radio, and I thought, oh, that was really, you know, good overall. And I contacted Jordan, and I said, can I come in and witness the event, you know, at, kind of as it's happening, like listen from perhaps the lobby? And I did. And again, I heard Jordan hosting, and I thought, you know, oh, this is a good idea for a show, but if only someone else were hosting it, that would be better. And I thought, well, I, you know, I'm a, I'm a host. I could do this for him. Yes, and rather than, you know, suggest something to me after the show is over, say, hey, you know, if you're interested, I could. Uh... Well, no, yeah, but I mean, I didn't want to. I figured, you know, this is going to happen. Why, why beat around the bush? Why let another episode go by subpar? I'll just take over now. And so I made my way into the the studio during the acting part of the show and took over. So then when the debate happened, I, I just jumped right in there and started talking. You'll hear it here. So I think you'll all agree it was a good choice and it was a strong choice. Here we go. The first episode that I appear in of Tract or Fiction. It's called Reverend Wonderful Enjoy. Jack Chick makes these little comics he calls tracts, trying to persuade people to come around to his point of view about the world and life and everything like that. And uh, what we're doing is we're dramatizing one of them, and then we're going to have a debate afterwards uh, about the about pro or con it. Uh, we don't have a coin. We need to find a coin, actually. Does anybody have a coin? Anybody in there? Okay, people in there have coins. All right, so afterwards, we're going to flip a coin to see who gets to argue for it and who gets to argue against it. This week's coin. This week's coin. I'm sorry. This week's uh, sketch tract adaptation is called Reverend Wonderful. And once again, it was written by Jack Chick. We begin in a television studio where the Reverend Dr. Westhall has just completed a sermon. A crowd of moved spectators look on in awe. Magnificent sermon! He is of God's man for today! What a sense of humor! I wonder he's speaking at the presidential Prater breakfast. <laughs> he's wonderful! <laughs> Just wonderful! Do you have time to talk to some reporters, Dr. Westfall? Always. Dr. Westfall, tell us about your personal audience with the Pope. I was honored just to be in his presence. We'll be working together to bring all Christians into unity. I am dedicated to serving mankind through the gospel. Helen, I'm flying to London on Tuesday, so I'll need my notes. Yes, sir! Don't forget your dinner speech tonight. Anna Lima will pick you up at 5 a.m. tomorrow for your TV interview. The next day, Bob, a humble servant of God, kneels by his window and prays. Lord, please lead me to someone who needs you tonight. Give me the boldness, Lord, and help me to show them the true love of Jesus. That evening, Bob climbs into his pickup truck and drives. Lord, I believe this is the way you wanted me to go. Meanwhile, an enormous gathering is being held, a reception in honor of Dr. Westhall. What an honor it is to have uh, Dr. West. Hall here this evening. He was voted the most beloved man in America. He's so humble, one of today's great men of God. Yes, God cares about souls, but he also cares about social justice, the poor and the needy. We must unite to fight ignorance and bigotry. He's right! Amen! Praise God! He's wonderful! Oh, how it must hurt God to see Protestants, Jews, and Catholics bickering over incidentals. We must pull together to usher in a great new age for the glory of God. Back in his limousine after the reception. That was a powerful message. Dr. Westall, it touched everyone's heart. Thank you, Father. 
Helen, do you have my notes? No, sir. I thought you had them. We'll have to go back to my office. At that moment, Bob pulled his pickup to a stop. I believe this is where you want me, Lord, so I'll walk down this sidewalk. When Dr. Westhall's limo pulled up to his building... I shouldn't be more than three minutes. And a minute later, Bob stood gazing up at the building the Reverend had just entered. Lord, a lot just went out up there. If this is the person I'm to talk to, send him down these stairs. And sure enough... I wonder why the elevator didn't work. Excuse me, sir. Could I talk to you? You want my autograph, right? No, sir. The Lord sent me to talk to you about your soul. My what? Is this some kind of gag? No, I'm very serious. If you died tonight, are you sure you would go to heaven? I can't believe this. Do you know who I am? No, I don't. But God sent me here to tell you how to be saved. Please, read this tract. God will judge you someday and... What's going on? It's all right, Helen. This man wants to know if I'm going to heaven. What? This, my friend, is Dr. A.G. Westhall. The Dr. Westhall. D-D-M-A-B-A-T-H-D-D-R-E. Come on, Dr. Westhall. You'll miss your plane. But you never told me. Are you saved? How humiliating. People like that are sick. We should talk to the governor about passing a law to keep people like that off the street. The next day, on flight 366 to London. May I have your autograph, Dr. Westhall? I would be delighted. Uh, Heathrow to American 356 Heavy. We report condition is sitting zero Warning, you have air traffic in your area. But it was too late. The collision could not be avoided. Both planes exploded into huge balls of flame, hurtling into the Atlantic Ocean. Dr. Westfall had died in the crash. At his funeral, thousands gathered to mourn the loss. He was a great man. A great man of God. He was loved by everyone. I commit his soul to the God he so faithfully served. Later, on the Day of Judgment... God sat on his throne and spoke to every person being judged in turn. Merely Lou Richards, though you were a prostitute and a drug addict, you repented, and by faith accepted me as your savior. Enter the joy of the Lord. Next! Arthur Westall, your name does not appear in the book of life. That's impossible. I was the most beloved man in America. I did many good works, and I always prayed in your name. You preached a false gospel of salvation through works. (laughs) For by grace are ye served through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is a gift of God. Not of works, lest any man should boast. I shed my blood and died on the cross to pay for your sins, and all because I loved you. But you never received me as your savior. I sent my servant to warn you, but you rejected him and me. Now my word declares that you must be cast into the lake of fire forever. Oh, what a fool I was. I was ashamed of the gospel. I wanted power and fame. Now I am lost forever. Ow, it's really hot. Splat. Thank you very much. Uh, that was that was Tractor Fiction, Episode 2, Reverend Wonderful. Now we're going to have a debate on the validity of that lovely tract. Here we go. Uh, we have the two debaters. If you would come around, sir. Sir, what is your name, first debater? Debater number one. My name is Dr. Arcane. I'm a superhero from the 30s. Thank you very much, Dr. Arcane. I knew I recognized you from somewhere, but then I've been drinking since 8 a.m. How'd you do? Sergeant-at-arms here. 
Sergeant at Arms. Daniel Day-Lewis. Daniel. No, that's not my name. That's the name of an actor. But then I've been drinking since eight in the morning. Barracks? So, Sergeant at Arms. All right. Well, what we're going to do is we're going to debate this tract. We're going to flip a coin. If the heads comes up, Dr. Arcane will be for the tract. And if tails comes up, then... Me! Sergeant at Arms Thank will be you. for the tract. Let's Ow. find out the, the play. Who does it go for? It is tails! It is tails. That means Sergeant at Luck Arms... Luck is always on my side. Sergeant at Arms believes in this track. Now so. we're talking... No, hold on one second, up. Sergeant. Sergeant, I'm actually going to give the Dr. Arcane first word, and then you will be able to rebuttal. Fine. All right. Now, Doctor, begin. Okay, I am seeing some huge problems with this tract, I just gotta tell you. First of all, let's start off with the really obvious thing. If it doesn't matter how good you are, as long as you believe, why be good at all? Like, why don't I just go out and shoot my grandmother in the face? Huh? Any response, Sergeant? Shooting your grandmother in the face! I don't think that's a good idea, unless she's a commie, or is against the United States government, which I so faithfully have served for 25 years, in Havana, Cuba. And I have enjoyed every minute of it. And I will tell you, shooting your grandmother in the face will send you to the barracks and the brig. But this isn't the Navy. This is the Army stuff. So, so, Sergeant, are you saying that it's okay to be good and and then not go to heaven? Or are you saying, I don't understand? I'm saying shoot the commies and shoot old ladies if they are commies. So does that mean you agree or disagree? I agree with communism. Wait, no, I don't agree with communism. That's wrong. But then I've been drinking since 8 a.m., right? 7. Oh. I started early this morning. Doctor, do you have any response to this? Well... Only that it's a really bad idea to start drinking that early in the morning. But that's how you get to heaven. If you've been drinking heavily and you serve the U.S. government, you will see heaven open up before your eyes, literally. I was outside of the barracks in Havana, Cuba. I was smoking a cigar and drinking my whiskey, and I saw heaven open up. It was this little tiny door, and a midget, who I named Mr. Piccolini, came out, and he said, he said, heaven is behind the door. But you can't get through because you're seven feet tall. All right, so I I think I understand what you're saying, but I don't see how it's relevant. Charlton Heston played Moses, and he was a drunkard too, and he saw the kingdom of heaven. Wouldn't you have smashed the tablets upon Heston's face if Contel went down and Mob Bell took him over? All right, Sergeant, Sergeant, uh, one moment, please. I believe we have a Bible scholar here. Bible scholar, would you step forward? Do you have any comment on this about the Bible? Yes, I do believe that this man is a drunk. And did God say anything about drunks in the Bible? Well, actually, sacramental wine is a very big part of religion. And in fact, Jesus blessed the wine and said, drink of this as it is my blood. And so therefore, Wait, wine are you saying that practice. Jesus wanted Christians to be vampires? Vampires you see, are against the government. You see, vampirism was just a metaphor for being one with the Holy Spirit. You see, uh. like vampirism, the Holy Spirit will infect you with its goodness. And in fact, it is a transmittable disease in a way. For if you do good deeds, they can spread to other people. Like that movie with that little boy who saw dead people pass it on. And <laughs> I know about transmitting things. All right. So I, I think I understand what you're saying. Thank you, Scott. Scholar. 
Now, now, Doctor, I don't believe there's any way you can come back against that, so prove me wrong. Well, okay. Back in the 30s, I was fighting against Dr. Vampire, who was also a vampire and also a doctor. That's a coincidence. Yes. And then I shot- Was he a Christian? I think so. Yeah. I mean, I shot him in a church once. It didn't do anything. You shot him in the church? Finley 9mm. Gotta use a 45, my friend. I did use a piddly 9mm. All right. All right. Here's what I'm thinking on this. I think it's about time for me to decide who won this debate. Now, I'm I'm gonna think about it really hard for just a second. And, uh... Let's find out who won. Why did you barf on my shoes? All right, Dr. Dr. Arcane, you won. Woo! Dr. Arcane. You only won this round, but but put a bottle of whiskey between us, and I will beat you under the table with a rod, and that is a promise to God. You're going to hit me with a stick? If I'm going to hit you with so much that you are going to go flying into space. <laughs> All right. Thank you. Oh, I don't want to S- be Sergeant's passed out face. again. And Doctor, thank you for coming, and I appreciate your win, and that's all for Tracked or Fiction tonight. That episode of Tracked or Fiction featured the voice talents of Frank Allen, Rich Bellin, Scott Finbo, Magdalena Richards, Nicholas Roach, Daniel Schwartz, Sam Thomason, Angela Tymon, Devin White, and Jordan D. White. Thank you very much, Mr. Sinjin. Oh, it was absolutely my pleasure. Anyway, anyway, back to me. Um, yes, so you can see I did, a, I think, a pretty fabulous job on that show. Uh, and then from then on, I'm pretty sure I just took over from then on. I think Jordan made the occasional appearance, so, especially he would act on it. But from then on, I was main host, I believe. Is that correct? Yeah, I think generally. I mean, once in a while, I think I would chime in. Yeah, 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 but it was, you know, it was still, it was my show, I think. Okay, that's that's fair. Speaking of things that are mine. Oh, are, is that what we're doing? Good. Yes, yes. Uh, this next bit, of course, is also mine. This is our Frank Allen interview section, and I think you'll be very interested to find it's with someone very relevant to that episode. Frank Allen Interviews, starring Frank Allen. Hello, and welcome to Frank Allen Interviews on Cast and Wax. My name is Frank Allen, and t- this week we have a very special interview with an interviewer I cannot... Uh, identify, but uh, let me let me go to the tape. I recorded this special for this podcast. You know, I really shouldn't be doing this. Uh, I really should. No, I, I understand that, uh, but I promise you, we will protect your identity. We will, like like we said before, we'll work out that sort of special speak so you don't uh, uh, incriminate yourself or any others. I, I understand. It's just no, no. Just like I said, just stick to the okay. Um, now, please, uh, can you introduce yourself? For us. Uh, well, no, I can't introduce myself. I'm definitely not. Uh, I'm definitely not Jack Chick, and I'm definitely not anyone associated with Jack Chick. Okay, you're not. Um, good. That's good. So then, why do we want to talk to you? Oh uh, well, I don't know. I mean, like I said, I'm not associated with Jack Chick, so I have no insight into his opinions or the kinds of things that he thinks. Okay. Well, what kind of uh, opinions do you not have any insight into? Well, I don't. For example, I don't have any idea whether he really believes these things, or or whether he uh, he's actually a Christian, or whether he's just messing with people. You don't. All right. Well, is he actually a Christian? Well, like I said, I couldn't say. Of course, I couldn't say. For example, that he was wasn't actually a Christian, and he didn't mean a single word of it, and that he knows very well that all of these things aren't true. I couldn't say that, because I have no idea, I have nothing to do with him. You know, I, I've got no, 
association with them whatsoever. Well, okay, that's why you couldn't say that. I mean, do, have you heard that? No, no, I, I mean, I haven't heard that at all. I haven't even, I don't even know who Jack Chick is, so I don't even know what I'm talking about. Okay, I think we, I think we understand you. I think we got it. Now, specifically this tract, Reverend Wonderful, do you know anything about that? No, not at all. Well, do you know if uh, he actually believes that doing good things doesn't matter? Uh, no, I really couldn't say. I couldn't say that, for example, that it would be stupid for one person to believe that doing good things wasn't a good thing. I mean, because that, that would go against the meaning of good thing, but I couldn't even say that because I don't even know. I don't have any knowledge of that whatsoever. Okay, that's, that's a good point, but you can't say that. No, I, I mean, how could I know? I don't, I don't even know. I don't even speak English. No, I mean, obviously, no. I mean, because that would mean that lots of good people, lots of very, very good people who are, you know, Jewish or Buddhist or, or, or Muslim or atheist. Well, there aren't any good atheists. No, okay. But, I mean, all these other, I mean, all the other religions, anybody who was good in those religions wouldn't go, well, I want to say to heaven, but, I mean, would, would specifically go to hell. Oh, I mean, that is true that that's what it would mean. I couldn't say, and I certainly couldn't say that Jack Chick, if he believed that, would be a giant douchebag. Uh, I couldn't say that, and I definitely couldn't say that there's no way anyone with a reasonable uh, brain would believe that, and I definitely couldn't say that Jack Chick is completely full of crap. Well, no, I mean, I could, I guess I could say that, but I don't think you could say that, because you don't know Jack Chick. No, I don't even know, I don't, what's a, you know, what's a chick? Chick's like a girl. I couldn't even say if a chick was a girl. I can't say. I really, I really shouldn't even say that much. Under, again, understandable. I don't want to jeopardize you. I don't want to put you in any position to go against uh, what, or to, to lose your job or any job you don't have. No, no. I mean, I don't have any job, so there'd be no job to lose. I, I wouldn't be. There'd be no danger if I did say that because I would be lying, right? I mean, it wouldn't be true. Exactly correct. Exactly correct. Again, talking about uh, you know Jack Chick's output in general. I mean, he does he does make a lot of money out of these things, right? I really, again, I couldn't say. I don't know how much money he makes. It's certainly not a lot of money. I mean, it's certainly not billions of dollars. Billions of dollars? No, absolutely not. And what would he do with billions of dollars? Well, he doesn't have billions of dollars. But if he did, he he wouldn't. There's no possible way. There's no even imaginable way that he would donate it directly. To Satanists. Satanists? There's no way. Why would he give it to Satanists? He wouldn't, man. He wouldn't. There's no way. There's no way. Do you get me? I, I'm reading you loud and clear. Satanists. Absolutely not, man. There's no way. All right. All right. I mean, what? why would he give money to Satanists? Why would you even suggest it? I mean, there's so no way. Why would you even suggest it? Well, it's not because he's like a secret Satanist, if that's what you're wondering. I mean, it's not like it's not like someone could look into his background and find out he was raised by Satanists. That's ridiculous. It's not true. It's not true. I can't even believe I'm hearing this. It's not true. I, I know it's not true. I didn't think it was true. I did not think that was true. Good, because it's not. There's not. It's just, it's total nonsense. I'm making it up. I'm not even making it up. I'm saying it's not true. Like, I'm not saying it. The words that you're hearing, I'm not even saying these words because that's how not true it is. Wow. Wow. This has been a really, this has been a really probing deep interview. No, it hasn't. It has not. It has not. I haven't said anything. This interview didn't even happen. I did not agree to this interview. You did not record this interview. The listener did not hear this interview. This is, there is no interview. There, there absolutely wasn't. There was no Frank Allen interview this week. And, uh, but there will be next week. But, wow, there was certainly nothing this week on Frank Allen Interviews. Wow.
Yeah, that you know that was actually absolutely fascinating. All right, I don't need your I don't need your sarcasm. I wasn't no, I wasn't being sarcastic. I was actually just trying to compliment you. Yeah, yeah, thanks. I know it was great. No, I, 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 what I meant was you know it, you actually seem to offer sort of a historical information there, and I do enjoy, as you know, history. Sure, you do. Fake history that you made up, you know, so you wouldn't appreciate actual factual history. I see. Really? Okay. Well, I see, I see how you feel about it. Yeah. Point is, that was my interview, and I hope everyone enjoyed it. I'll be having lots of interviews. Uh, you know, I have another interview planned for next week, and I'll, I can I can interview anybody about anything. It's going to be interesting, too. So this will be a regular feature, as we all know. Yeah, I think it's it's been a fun. So far, it's been a successful feature. Um, other than the last time, it was a little uncomfortable, but this time it seems like it was basically all right. High praise, I guess. You know, I've got one guy saying it's great when he knows nothing. Oh, really? Thank you. And yes. another guy going, oh, it's all right, I don't even want to know what Scape thinks. Good, because I don't want to tell you what I think, because I wasn't listening. <laughs> Scape. Moving on. This next one is going to be the second episode of Decker and Hayes. Also going to be a live recording, because uh, it's from the first season of Decker and Hayes. This is the second episode. In actual history of Waxwork, this is the first time a serial was written that I didn't write. I wrote the first episode of Decker and Hayes. This is the very first serial that we recorded, written by someone else. And I believe it was written by Miss Lynn Nelson. She wrote a lot of the series. She wrote for every single series we did after this. And um, she was off to a good start. It was a bit of a short episode, so here's a little quickie. In the previous episode, we were introduced to Macy Hayes and Stella Decker, who are a pair of private detectives who are also lovers, and their secretary, Tommy Potsdam. And uh, Macy and Stella took the case of Miss Tess Nichols, whose husband had been murdered, and she wanted to know what had happened to him and why. And the girls said they would check it out. Let's find out what they are finding out, shall we? Here we go. Episode two. Enjoy. Decker and Hayes, Episode 2, Blue Plate Special, by Lynn Nelson. Parlor Town. In this black hole of dirt and decadence, Stella Decker and Macy Hayes were a small beacon of light, living their lives in pursuit of justice, money, money, and justice. Well, their professional lives, anyway. And today was no exception. Finally had another case. Tess Nichols, a fiery redhead with a skirt that exposed her long, toned thighs had come to them with quivering lips, heaving breast, and half a story about her dead husband. Jumping at the opportunity to crack another case and pay another bill, the girls had agreed to look into Jack Nichols' death. When we left them, Macy was on her way to chat with Officer Sheridan at the precinct. Sheridan was a portly man in his thirties. He wore a button-down shirt and suspenders, and when Macy walked in the door, he was ashing a cigar. Miss Hayes, always lovely to see you. It's been a while. I was getting worried. Oh, you know, our business is a fickle one, but it looks like we're making our comeback. How about you? How's business been? This is Parlotown, Sweet Cheeks. Business is never slow. So what's knitting your pretty brow? I'm investigating Jack Nichols' death. Oh, yeah. That was a weird one, all right. Who's hired you, the old bird? Now, now, old man, you know, I can't give that information out. What about it was so bizarre? Well, you know, we found him in the dumpster at the back of the blue diner. What's funny is that the dumpster was all turned on its side, and the contents were spilled all over the ground, like if someone had been routing around 
around in there. A funny thing for someone to do if they're just dumping a body, don't you think? Don't I, indeed. Find anything worthwhile in there? Only thing worth noting was big chunks of broken blue porcelain all over the concrete. What'd the owner have to say about it? Eh, nothing yet. It was closed when we got there. It's one of those little dives on the edge of town, you know. They're never open. Convenient place to dump a body, anyhow. Anything else you got for me? Not a thing. Got a boy supposedly be out there today, but uh, I'll let you know if I hear anything. Thanks, Chief. Macy left the precinct and caught a cab to the outskirts of town, where she found Stella waiting outside the door of the blue diner. The building was made of faded blue faux brick, and the neon sign on its roof flickered steadily. It looked pretty clean and inconspicuous for a parlor town. Some sort of elevator music wafted from inside. So how was Benny? Sleazy as ever, and just as useless. Jack hasn't laid any bets under his immaculate watch. Oh, Pooh, I was so looking forward to working with him. What about you? Anything juicy? Apparently our killer was looking for more than a place to dump a body. They dumped the dumpster, as it were, and apparently there was blue porcelain all over the alley. <laughs> have you been in here yet? Not yet. Looks charming, eh? We'll have to remember it for our anniversary. Let's hmm. go find the owner. The girls went inside the squeaky glass doors and up to the counter. They found a very small, balding man with thick specks rummaging around with some papers. He was very thin and timid, and not very eager to talk. The place wasn't very well lit, but that didn't seem to bother the three customers. The small man looked up at the two women over his specks as they approached the counter. Two? Uh, actually, we're not here to eat. Oh. My name's Macy Hayes. This is my associate, Stella Decker. We're investigating the homicide that happened here last night. The what? You know, the dead guy dumped in your dumpster overnight? First I've heard of any dead guy. Haven't the police been in? Not since I've been here. I opened around 11. Glad our cops are doing their jobs, as always. Y you don't seem surprised. This is parlor town, ma'am. Well, were you in yesterday? Maybe you'd have seen the guy. Stella described Jack from the details the Tess had given them, and briefly explained what the police had found outside the diner overnight. Sure, a guy like that was in here yesterday. Sat alone in the corner there all night. Ordered the blue plate special. Blue plate special? What's so special? Stickler bent down behind the counter and pulled out a blue porcelain plate. He held it out nonchalantly. This is the blue diner, ma'am. Everything's the blue plate special. Is that what the police saw in the alley out back? Stickler gave her a blank stare. The police found shards of blue porcelain in the alley when they found the body. Well, I suppose, but I left them there in the dumpster. You put them there? Sure. When I opened yesterday, I found a whole bunch of our plates smashed back here behind the counter and back in the kitchen. Cleaned them up and threw them out. Glad we're asking the right questions. Any idea who could have done it? Not a one. I'm not too careful about locking our doors around here. No one has much need for what we got. Mind if we take a look in the kitchen? Knock yourselves out. Door around to your right and in the back. Stella and Macy went around to the back and through the door-marked kitchen. They scanned the room quickly noting pieces of broken plates still on the floor, and everything in disarray. It was the kind of clutter that looked like it had been there since the diner opened. They walked back out to the counter. Well, thanks for your time. Uh, this is our number if you think of anything you want to tell us. We may be back to ask you some more questions. Good day, Mr... Stickler. Jimmy Stickler. Diner owner extraordinaire. Good day, Mr. Stickler. The girls caught a cab back into Parlortown proper. They were silent all the way, mulling over these details privately. They hopped out in front of a little cafe, marked Cafe. Well, babe, how about something to eat? I almost lost my appetite. I guess a sandwich would do us good. What was our criminal looking for in the dumpster behind the blue diner? Was it the same mastermind who'd broken Jimmy Stickler's plates? Was Stickler connected to this somehow? Would Sheridan's police officer ever get over to the blue diner? Where were the police in all of this? 
tune in next week for the next installment of Decker and Hayes, entitled Crossroads. episode of Decker and Hayes. The narrator was played by Daniel Schwartz. Stella Decker was Angela Tyman. Macy Hayes was Lynn Nelson. Tess Nichols was Devin White. Sheridan was Jordan D. White. And A.J. Stickler was Sam Thomason. The theme song was by Michael Temporary Card Mikowski. Excellent, excellent, excellent. We're just zipping right through everything tonight, and it is going quite well, if you ask me. So what have we got next? Well, if I look at my little sheet here, it says next up is, oh, This Day in History by Mr. Rory Sinjin, teaching us what happened on this day years ago. Shall we get right to it, sir? Absolutely, we should. I would enjoy that. Here we are. Hello, my name's Rory Sinjin on WHRW Binghamton. This is This Day in History. On April 14, 1865, at Ford's Theatre in Washington, D.C., John Wilkes Booth, an actor and Confederate sympathizer, fatally wounds Abraham Lincoln. The attack came only five days after the Confederate General Robert E. Lee surrendered, effectively ending the Civil War. I've done it! I've done it! Now, to make my glorious escape, I will leap over this balcony and run out of the theater! Six separate Oh, God, my stomach! Ow! Oh, why does it hurt so much? Quickly, after that man! He has either been shot or he's having acid reflux disease! He oh. used his horrible moans of pain to track him down! Oh, oh, oh! This heartburn, it's persisting over the course of two weeks. I fear something may be wrong. Must get away! And we've got him, gentlemen. We've got this criminal right here. It just goes to show that if you have persistent heartburn, you're probably sick. And you better get checked out unless you're a criminal. Curse you, intestinal tract! Wilkes Booth did go to jail shortly thereafter and died of what could only be called a very bad stomach problem. This is WHRW, Binghamton. Hang on, one more thing. This is Rory Sinjin on Cast and Wax with Where Are They Now in History? By now you're all familiar with the fact that John Wilkes Booth died of persistent heartburn that he didn't get checked out by a doctor. But what you may not know is that his universe did not learn its lesson. Yes, indeed, they got everything backwards and in fact believed that anyone who had persistent heartburn was planning to kill the president. It became universally synonymous with treason and anyone suffering from chronic heartburn was executed as a traitor. Many great Americans were in fact killed this way just because they had an upset stomach, but of course everyone thought they were trying to kill the president. This happened for many, many years until such a time as John F. Kennedy himself did get heartburn. He was wondering, how can this be? I am the president. Why would I want to kill myself? Well, he went to his doctor and the doctor said, I didn't want to say anything because I thought you'd probably kill me for treason, but in fact, you've been killing a lot of people for absolutely no reason. It just means that they're sick and they should probably have some sort of medication. Now, coincidentally, of course, John F. Kennedy was blotting to kill himself, but that's a side story. The doctor was right. If you have persistent heartburn for more than two weeks, you probably should contact a doctor. You're probably not going to kill the president, but I guess you never know. This is where are they now? Now in history on Cast in Wax. That is uh, very interesting to know, and I guess I'll bear that in mind if I ever have chronic heartburn.
that I should see a doctor. Why? Because you, you couldn't have figured that out on your own? I might not have. What if I had been stubborn? Would you have been stubborn? This isn't about me. This is about the general good of the populace. You know, you never know who could hear this. Somebody could hear this and they could, you know, it could save somebody's life. You know, that's absolutely correct. In fact, in one universe I know of- You don't even get to finish that sentence. I don't even want to hear it. Guys, how many times have I told you we're going to try to keep the fighting off the podcast? Right, Scape? That's right. I don't- I don't care. Scape, you're just so disinterested. Okay, from now on, here, okay, here's the new deal that we, we're going to have, Scape. All right. If you do the podcast and you are into it and you are peppy, afterwards you get traits. Really? Yes, really. Okay, this is a podcast, podcast. Do, 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 do. I have a podcast. Don't you have a podcast? This is a podcast. A podcast, 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 podcast. Amazing. Does <laughs> she what the proper motivation can do? Oh, uh, you know, it's absolutely true. Podcasts are just so interesting. That series that you played, they were so good. Thank you very much. You know, this is, I should do this for everybody. Frank, if you do this podcast and you're totally into it, I will give you a treat. What treat could you possibly have for me that I would care about? I don't know, like uh, chicken liver in sauce. No, I want chicken liver in sauce. Don't give it to him. I don't want, I don't want cat food. All right. Fair enough. Fair enough. I'll give you, um, I've got a hot dog. I, I can buy my own hot dogs. Thing. Then I don't know what, I don't want to tell you. But I do know what I can tell you about this. The next thing we're going to be hearing is Guard Duty. Guard Duty, of course, being our series about superheroes waiting. This is the third episode. It introduces two more members of the Earth Guard, one named Peas Blossom and the other named Ocean Man. If you remember last time we heard the Stallion and Broadband, they were arguing over the leadership of the team, you know, the, the actual leadership versus the financial backing, that kind of thing. And some issues came up involving the deceased partner of the stallion, whose name was Full. At the end of the episode, they ran off to fight the Time Marines, who had gone back in time to um, alter history. And now here we are, some time later. Let's see what happened, shall we? The Earth Guard. The planet's most powerful heroes united in the common goal of protecting the innocent people of planet Earth and defending them from threats of all kinds. From the Guard Tower, their base of operations, they watch over the citizens and spring into action at any sign of danger. To that end, the Guard takes shifts monitoring events all over the globe. Sooner or later, they all have to take a shift of Guard Duty. This week, Ocean Man and Peas Blossom in Asking and Telling. Myself, I think her costume looks absurd. I have never seen a horse that wears a skirt before, nor anything at all aside from saddle, blanket, or a bridle, no? Her costume isn't the point. See, I mean, it's really just a feminized version of his, and that's a traditional dress. Then why, I ask you, did all eyes grow wide to find her waiting here on your return? Forgive me for the rudeness that's implied, but am I not more comely yet than her? No, 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 that's not it at all. Alas, I must be hideous indeed for you to say such... No, 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 that's not it, Peas Blossom. I'm not referring to your appearance here at all. We were all staring at Fall because she's supposed to be dead. Her costume didn't even factor into it. I mean, she's been dead for five years. Oh? 
Yes, and it was therefore a shock to see her standing next to you, and hence, any effect your rather provocative new costume might have had on us was somewhat mitigated. Ah. So you can understand our position. Perhaps, except... Except? Are you quite certain that she had been dead? I hadn't noticed. You hadn't noticed? Uh, Admittedly, it may be my mistake. The Fae, even when banished as myself, are so long-lived perchance it only seemed that she had been here all along. Although, did not young Fold just help me fight the troll yesterday morn? I could have sworn twas so. The troll? No, no, no. You fought the troll alongside the jack. But no, the jack was helping you to fend off the dragon drop. The foal assisted me. No, I fought dragon drop alone. Believe me, I know that quite well. My groin still hurts from it. He nearly dropped an entire building on me. The jack was with you. He was pelting the troll with the seemingly endless supply of rubber balls that he has, and you poured sleeping elixir in his ear. Tis true, I did pour my elixir in his ear, but... Fool did draw the troll's attention by pitching her shoes at his fat head. The jack, I'm sure, was off assisting you. No, it was... Wait, I got it. Hang on, I know what's happening here. I should have noticed immediately. Dr. Fast warned us about this. You didn't go with us on the mission last night. I told the stallion I was being photographed to be upon the cover of the newest issue of Vanity Fair. As soon as that was done, I did come to the guard tower to help however I could. Yes, I know that, but that's not the point. See, when we left to fight the Time Marines, Fall was dead. Somehow something happened differently during the signing of the Declaration of Independence, and it altered history so that Fall didn't die. Since we were displaced out of the time stream when it happened, the changes didn't have an effect on us, while you, being back here, were altered along with everything else. I see. Yep. (sighs) I'm hungry. I should have brought a snack with me out here. I haven't eaten in about eight hours. (laughs) What? What's so funny? Forgive my laughter if I did seem rude, but mortal words aren't meant for changeling ears. I think I have you beat in craving food. I haven't eaten in nine or ten years. Years? How is that possible? Your mortal food doth turn to dust and on the moment it doth grace a fairy's tongue. Being immortal yet, I do live on, no matter how hungered I do become. So you can't eat anything? No. Even non-processed food? None. Not even seafood? Nay. Wait, so you've never even tasted lobster? What part of no dost thou not understand? Must I repeat myself with shorter words? I'll pretend I didn't hear that, but no, it's just, it's, it's sort of surprising is all. I mean, the idea of going years without food when I can't go eight hours, I imagine it must drive a person crazy. I am not susceptible to the same ills to which the human mind may sometimes fall. It's simply one more thing that makes me long for home, my fairy kingdom, far away. This world cannot compare each day that I remain with its grasp. I feel a bit of beauty leave my soul. A tiny speck of joy and color draining from my view. I cannot help but feel this wretched world is tainting me, corrupting all my being, sapping my beauty, radiance, and grace. The longer I am here, the more I fear I may someday become as one of you. One of us? You mean mortal? What? Mortal? No, that's impossible. A changeling can never a mortal be. I fear I will become unbeautiful. Right. Hence the costume change. You humans once would look on me with awe. Twas natural given my exquisite looks had never been equaled by one of you, but now they see me as something normal, which 
I, I could not allow. You understand? It, it could mean that I'm less than I once was, which cannot be. It just cannot. No, no. Please, please, calm down. You're, you're more than looks to us. You're a hero. I mean, the things you've done, no matter what you look like, the, the people would still love you. The people here? Of course, as well they should. Remember, I do not stay here by choice. Her Majesty Queen Titania decreed me banished so long as she pleases. Someday, my queen may call me home. That hope alone keeps me alive, to see once more the silvery trees of my fair land and dance among the scarlet groves of Carnatil. That's why I must not let your world destroy the spark in me that lives in all our fair folk. My home calls out for me to break my bond, return again to land, country, and kin. But I cannot. I give the queen my word. I miss my homeland more every second, which for one with immortal blood can mean lifetimes of misery before release. But wait, you too must know this misery. So oft dwell you among the surface land that you must miss Atlantis just as much. How go things with your countrymen back home? Atlantis, oh, um, oh, thing, things have been well. Uh, it's It's been months since Depthera has returned to resume her insurrection, and, uh, but, the, the, you know, the people have their faith in the king once more. And what of the Orkin invasion fleet? You spoke of them but once. Did things go well? Oh, yeah, yeah, the Orkin invasion fleet, they were defeated soundly. I, I sincerely doubt they'll trouble us again. General Mantras led the troops admirably, we were able to fend them off with, with very little loss of our own men. Their mistake was in thinking we'd uh, leave the eastern trench relatively unmanned. Uh, the blood filled the water for miles and it drew hundreds of sharks, but uh, we managed to keep the trip from the city's main walls, you know. And after all was said and done, an Orkin ambassador came to cede the stolen lands to me, and as well as a large portion of kelp fields, in return for not retaliating against their uh, uh, leader. Did you accept the deal? Of course not. Uh, I led the fleet into battle myself, and I saw their king's head severed before the day was out. My head minister hates for me to go into battle for myself, but, but sometimes I must. He can't abide with me working with this earth guard. Puts me at risk, he says, which puts my entire kingdom at risk. But I, I sat him down and told him, who could defend the earth better than, than me, the king of the ocean world? But does it not keep you from your duties as sovereign of the land beneath the waves? I appoint uh, only the most trusted and, and noble citizens and ministers as my advisors, and they carry out my very will when I'm gone. I mean, I'm not needed for every decision they make. It's, it's quite enough for me to approve of the efforts of, say, the Civil Restoration Committee without me actually having to examine every brick they put into place. Alas, I hope they do their duty well. The Alabaster Towers Atlantis Sports have long remained an image in my mind. It would be a shame for them to waste away. When last I saw them towering o'er the land, their beauty nearly rivaled Isinglen. What? Not quite mind you, but take no shame in that. No mortal land could possibly... Atlantis is... You mean, you, you've been to Atlantis? It was long before the waves had sealed its fate. Before exile, I ventured now and then to see your world in sport, or sometimes jest. You actually have been to Atlantis. You're not thinking of Atlanta. Uh, dost thou think me false? You've got to be kidding me. You've never been to it post-sinking, right? When it's underwater, I mean. Nay, but I'm confused to this see... Is just, this is just blowing my mind. Uh, like, 
listen, Peas Blossom, can I, like, level with you and all that? I need you to keep a secret for me. <laughs> of course, my friend. See, I'm not really the king of Atlantis. See, like, I didn't even know the damn thing existed. See, I was born in Detroit. Well, then why? Well, you see, when I started in this business, I started calling myself Ocean Man, King of the Ocean World. So, like, some country sideshow kind of thing. But I just meant to be, like, the way that, you know, that turkey attractor calls himself the King of Magnetism. See, like, I can control water. I'm not kidding about that. I do water stuff. It, but it didn't seem to matter to people because, like, before you know it, BAM! Everybody's talking to me about Lannis, about my kingdom, about my people. See, I didn't even know what to do about that. So you dissembled? Well, I had a hard enough time trying to make people understand that I couldn't talk to fish. Man, the number of times that low-down stallion, like, he asked me to try that... No, I just went along with it. So, like, to keep the cover, I said I was sworn to keep Atlantis safe from surface influence and, like, therefore could never bring my friends to it. But really, I just, you know, turn in the water and make my way home to my apartment on Sunset Ave, see? I see. You have, like, no idea how this gets off my chest, man. It's been so weird, like, never being able to tell anyone. Thanks for listening, Pete Blouser. I really appreciate it. And if I can ever return the favor for you, just ask. I'm actually gay. <laughs> oh. Alas, it seems I have destroyed the mood. No, 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 that's cool, baby, That that's cool. Whatever you like. So, pray tell, how did Fole meet her demise? Oh, she died fighting like the Mudman and the Ribs. Ah, oh, yes. Was it when Voodoo Lady died? If only Broadband had... Wait, Voodoo Lady's dead, man? <laughs> Quickly, summon the guard. Scimitar has returned. Dr. Fast, we just... <clears throat> uh, Dr. Fast, we just... There's no time! <laughs> Okay, uh, like, Peas Blossom, see, like, that stuff about before. I won't tell if you won't. Alright, we keep it on the download, that's cool. Deal. Jordan D. White, with Michael D. Mikowski as the narrator, Scott Pinbo as Ocean Man, Angela Tymon as Peas Blossom, Daniel Schwartz as Dr. Fast, with theme song by Michael D. Mikowski. Amazing, and that just about wraps things up for us tonight here on Cast and Wax. Hopefully you enjoyed this third episode. I know I did. Did you, did you Frank? I don't care about your hot dog. I mean, I, I, it was fine. It was a good episode, but you're not, I'm not, I don't want, I don't want a hot dog. Personally, I'm a little offended you didn't even offer me a hot dog. I, I don't know why. Well, probably because, I mean, you're, you're British, aren't you? You know, do you, do you want a hot dog? No, but it's, it's proper decency. It was the best show so far, mostly because of the treats. You haven't gotten the treats yet. No, but I'm gonna. It's gonna be great. Yeah, but you get. You gotta. You gotta. You gotta fool me. You gotta fool me into thinking you genuinely like it. You can't just. Can't just say I like it because it treats. That's that ruins the 
the sentiment that you're putting forward. Well, that's where I get. Okay, fine. I like it because of the acting. The acting was good for the shows. Also, the the writing and the sounds. What did you like about the the writing? Oh, I liked when all the I liked when all the words were happening because when he said uh, something, it was like, oh, that was that was funny and it made sense. Both. You you should be like a drama critic. I could. For treats and, and moist for both. No, I don't really want you to be an actual drama critic. I was it was kind of sarcastic, actually. Whatever. That's fine. It was a great show. You don't have to you can't bring it down with your negative attitude. Good. Good. I'm glad you're so into it. Well, hopefully next time will be as good. You think it will? <sighs> that depends on whether you give me such good serial writing next time. That's a good point. It does depend on that. So, uh, what I'd like to do now is thank everybody who was involved in the show. Thank thank you, Scapey. You're so welcome. It, it's great. I'd like to thank Frank. Yeah, not a problem. Thank Rory. It was, of course, my pleasure as always. Thank myself. Thank uh, the, the interviewee who got interviewed earlier. Thank the actors who were in all the shows. Thank the listeners who listened to all the shows. To take us out, let's listen to the rest of Waxwork theme G, God Save Waxwork, which kind of, you know, I gotta admit, it's a little, uh, it's a little risque sometimes, but it's, I think it's funny. So enjoy, and we will talk to you next week. Be seeing you. Not yet. Where I go through it all fits, I need your noibits and never gets directions in my shattered mirror. Make me loving eyes, almost look sincere. When I put it in, I'll handle with care. There's been a lot of stranger things in there. Things aren't fed by lying water. I guess you really are your mother's daughter. I'll be expanding, it was fine, but there's one thing wrong. Fiction in a minute lasts twice as long. But once I get tired of a one night stand, I'll have a you sloppy seconds with my hands. Here we go. God save waxwork. God save waxwork.com. God save waxwork. God save waxwork.com. On the next episode of Cast and Wax, in Epic Echoes, Slaughter has a startling revelation. Holy crap, I can go outside time! Don't get too ahead of yourself. Time traveling itself is tricky business. Going outside time is downright complicated. In Debatatorium, we discuss women's rights. Even when I was growing up, all the people I knew, I knew very few women. They were all young girls because they put me in school with people my own age. I thought that was fair not at all. In Tractor Fiction, we learn about real toughness. Only a gutless idiot would have that up there because Jesus was a sissy. That a fact, Duke? Yep. And in Guard Duty, the Jack gets lucky. What? How is that 100 points? The X is on a double letter score, so that's 16, 17, 20, 21, 22, 23, 25. Double word is 50 plus 50 for using seven letters. 100 points on your first word? Eh, it's luck. All this and more on the next episode of Cast and Wax, coming April 14th at waxwork.com.